This is the ministry from Sovereign Grace Reformed Church in Tiverton, Devon, United Kingdom. Once again, dear church family, we continue with our Bible study series on the life of Joseph. We're now on our 14th study, if you're counting. Previously, we thought about Judah's heartfelt plea to Joseph, didn't we? Where he was pouring out his heart in, the, in that very almost substitutionary type plea to Joseph, where he was literally willing to, to be made a bondservant, bondservant uh, for Benjamin. And we saw how Joseph revealed himself to his brethren only. And we saw how this was a, a great picture. These events were a great picture of how Christ reveals himself only to his elect, only to his remnant, to his church. And we saw how the effects of grace, uh, the effects of what grace does upon a truly repentant heart. From separation, from their brothers hating uh, Joseph, separating themselves from their father, Judah in particular going down, as it were, separating to now union. Uh, and we see from hatred to kisses and hugs and embracing, we see what the Lord, the Lord God can do in the heart. And it's a, it's, it's a wonder, isn't, isn't it? We see how uh, this is a picture, isn't it, of how any poor, wretched sinner uh, how when a, a true grace, a, a work of grace is done in the heart, how the Lord can bring that which has been separated or hatred and bitterness, he can bring them all together. It's a picture of the greater Joseph, how the greater Joseph brings us all together, as it were, in the gospel. Now, in today's study, we continue to see uh, more clearly the providence of God in all these events. We see the sovereign design of God behind all these things. Before we get to our, our, where we left off last time in verse 16, notice in verse 7 of Genesis 45, Joseph is not at all embittered, is, is he? Or retaliatory or combative with his brethren. Why is that? Why is, why is he not embittered? Why is he not retaliatory? All the wickedness that his brethren did to him, all the all the, the things they did, threw him into that pit, the way they treated him, the the the, the lies, the maliciousness. Uh, he underwent uh, years and years of suffering. And why wasn't he so retaliatory, embittered against them? Well, because he believed in the sovereignty of of God in his life. He says, doesn't he, in verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth. And a few verses before that, he says even to them, don't be angry with yourselves. Don't be angry with yourselves. You see, there was no bitterness there. There was no antagonism there. There was no retaliatory coming back to them there. And friends, how much more comfort would we derive from the, the truth, this, this truth that we just thought about it more every day, the sovereignty of God in our life. When, when people mistreat us or 
gossip about us or wrongfully entreat us or whatever may happen, how much more comfort in dark providences when things go wrong in our life can, can we take from this one truth that God is in control. He is in control of our futures. He is the one that's sovereign over our, our lives. And this will help us in how we treat each other and how we react uh, to those in the world as well when we're sworn at or when we're laughed at. It will give us grace because we see the sovereign plan of God in all these things. You see, in Joseph's eye, God was preserving his covenanted people, his faithful, the, the remnant of people. This was all part of God's redemptive history, of which, of course, the Messiah would come from. And the devil's plans would be thwarted, as it were. It would be defeated. And there, there are yet five more year, years of famine to come. There's only two years that have happened Joseph, under the mighty hand and plan of God, will bring the entire covenanted family and all their children into Egypt, into that place of Goshen. And we know that from verse 10 of Genesis 45, where they would not only be safe in those years of famine, but they will also be isolated from the much ungodly influence of the Egyptian culture because they were shepherds and shepherds were an abomination in Egypt. Shepherds were hated uh, in Egypt. And so Joseph uh, would have them live in Goshan. And Goshan is in lower Egypt. It's along the delta, uh, the eastern delta, Nile. It's the best. It's one of the best places in the whole of, of, of Egypt that anyone could have lived. And we just see here, do, do we not, the greater Joseph, how Joseph's undeserving brethren and the evil and the wickedness that they showed jo Joseph. And yet Joseph is giving them the best. He gives them the best. And doesn't the greater Joseph do that to us? We who have separated ourselves by our sin from God, we who have alienated ourselves from God because of our sin and trespasses, and yet God so discovers our sin, comes after us, as it were, like Joseph did, and he so wakes us up and corners us, as it were, saves us, reveals himself to us, and then he gives us his best, doesn't he? And he brings us into that land and he provides everything that we need to bring us into that land. Well, what a wonderful picture it is here of God's, God's mercy through the gospel. And so there were five more years to come. Um, Goshan was, like I said, it was situated along that eastern Nile Delta in the lower Egypt. And that bordered the promised land, the land of Canaan. So really the theme of today's study was that they were undergoing, the whole covenant family were about to undergo a great change in their life. There were many un uncertainties. And that perhaps this is true of us. There are fears for your future. You might be thinking, there are many things in your heart about the, 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 the future. There are many things as, as believers that can naturally cause us fear and anxiety about the future. It would have been so with Jacob. God promised Jacob the land of promise, the land of Canaan. But God is taking them into Egypt now. Uh, and this can be true of us. There can be big 
things in our life where big changes can happen and naturally that can cause us uh, to fear. But you see, this was all down to the sovereign working of God. God was in control here. God had planned this. God would allow them to be taken into Egypt and of course their faith would be, be matured there. They would be separated from the wicked Canaanitish culture where they were. In fact, many of their witnesses were spoiled, weren't they, in Canaan because of the wickedness that their brothers had done. They would be taken out of there now. They would be put into, into, uh, into Goshan. They would literally, because they were an abomination, they would be separated and there would be plenty of fertile land in that eastern delta Nile in Goshan where they would be able to raise their families and, and, and the, uh, as shepherds they would be able to graze upon, upon the land. And we remember, don't we, Abraham's uh, a dream in this, in this respect. In Genesis 15, 20, 12 through 14, where a horror, and our brother, of course, has mentioned this recently, of a horror of great darkness fell upon Abraham. And God said to him in, said to him in verse 13, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. That's the land. God is bringing them into the land of Egypt that is not theirs. They're bringing them, this is a future, and I think sometimes when God saves us and he brings us on different journeys, I mean, put my hands up, I've been on some different journeys, where my, and you can say the same, where suddenly God opens up so many different doors and, and journeys, takes you abroad or takes you something and, or adds many people to your life. Or so, he can open up a completely different chapter very quickly. And sometimes it can be quite a fearful thing because it, there's a big change has happened in your life. And perhaps we've got that. There, there are things in our hearts, there's big, big changes happening. And there, there are fears, there are natural fears in our heart about the future of loved ones. And so I really hope that this passage is going to be of, of comfort today, this study, that we can trust in God for the future we can lay hold upon him for the future. Now, brethren, this brings us to where we left off last time in verse 16, where Pharaoh says to Joseph, after Joseph had revealed himself to his brethren, he says, he invites uh, Joseph's family. He says uh, in verse 16, Genesis 45, and the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well, and his servants. Verse 17. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye. Lade your beasts, and go, and get ye into the land of Canaan, and take your father and your household, and come unto me, and I will give you of the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat of the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded. This was a command. This do ye. Take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Those wagons, we must understand, <clears throat> that was an alien concept in Canaan that hadn't yet come into Canaan. The wagons were really for the wealthy in Egypt. They were like the BMW 
of our society. You know, there were supercars, as it were. They weren't seen in, in Canaan. <laughs> so you can imagine when all those, those wagons came, came, it would be like, you know, limousines pulling up to our, our house. You don't see them very often. And so we must think of it in, 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 that, in that concept. Um, and it says in verse 20, Also regard not that your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. And so we see here the great respect that Pharaoh had for Joseph. He had a massive, uh, Joseph had a, such a, a huge influence upon Pharaoh. Joseph, under the mighty hand of God, just reverberated blessing in his life. Whatever he did, just reverberated blessing and and. And Pharaoh saw, like Potiphar did, and wherever he went, that God was with him. God's hand was upon him. And Pharaoh knew, knew this. And so did the servants in the, in, in the house as well. It wasn't just his conduct. It was his whole life, his words, his conduct, how he lived his life. Such was the influence upon Pharaoh and his servants that the prospect of having more like-minded people he can imagine Pharaoh what the, the family the, you got family and and of course he they heard the crying they heard the kissing they heard this this it went around the house and they heard these things and I think it's like our brother said it's you know that's how the world knows knows uh, that we love each other the world knows how through our love for one another. It has an amazing impact upon our culture. And, I, and our brother's right. It's something we need to pray about more and more. And because it has such a fundamental impact. We must, we must hate every whisper, every, everything that seeks to divide us and to whisper. The devil is so deceitful to try to make us to turn against each other or pride is another thing or oh, how we need to pray uh, that we have this affection and this love fervent love for one another but we we, we see this and and pharaoh just can't believe you know his 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 kingdom is 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 being fed you know the whole of the land is, is not perished because of joseph and now all of joseph's brethren who are now like-minded and are now believers <laughs> he just wants to get them all in. Um, this was the impact that Joseph had. And this is the impact, of course, that the greater Joseph has in our life as the days and the years go by. It has the same impact on our life as we mature in the faith and we, we depend more upon him, seek to serve him more and please him more. Well, these things were well pleasing to Pharaoh, weren't they? And like I said, shepherds were typically despised by the Egyptians. That's the amazing thing. Normally they were hated. They were an abomination um, in, in Egypt. But they're saying, come on, come, come um, uh, in, into this land. And so they were willing to give the best part of the land, really, to Joseph. And there, Joseph was already there, but, but his father and his family but for Joseph's sake, for Joseph's sake, they were all welcomed and they were all blessed. And this was not only an invitation, but it, it was also a commandment. 
It was a commandment. Before we are converted, friends, like I said, we are alienated from God. We are separated from God. We are enemies to God because of our sin and our transgressions. Because we do not want God. But because of what the greater Joseph has done for us, we are now welcomed. And we are now blessed in him, aren't we? We're blessed. We're, we're, we're nurtured, as it were. God brings the wagons, as it were, of his grace and his love because of what the greater Joseph has done. You see, we are normally separated. But God, you see, God has done this in our, in our lives. All the wagons, all the provision has already been made for that journey. God has provided everything for us. And of course, God's hand was behind all this provision, all this blessing. And in verse 21 through 24, we see the great provision laid on for God's covenanted family, who were all now deeply convicted of their sin. They were, they were truly a repenting people and they were full of faith. They believed in the Lord God now. They were, they were holding to his word and to his promises. Friends, if God be for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. How shall he not with him give us all things? I love the words of Psalm 37. I have been young and now am old, yet I have, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And this is true, of course, with every true seeker of God. Those who seek first the kingdom of God, well, God, God will take care of the rest. But we must seek him first with our hearts and with our lives. God was showing his people that they need not fear for the future. They need not fear for the future. You see, they had done. The, 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 the most important thing had been done. They, was, they were converted. They were saved. And they need not fear the future anymore. God's remnant would be provided for. <clears throat> the livelihood, the land, the silver, <clears throat> the transportation, the donkeys, the wagon, the food. Everything was taken care of by God. All of their need was richly provided for. Well, friends, I really hope that the word of God is speaking to us this evening in this respect. Perhaps... Dearly beloved of God, you have some concerns about the future, natural concerns about the future. Perhaps loved ones weigh heavy upon your heart and you're worried about this, the spiritual condition of loved ones upon your heart for the future. Uh, I would just like to say, fret not about those things. The law can yet unite all our loved ones, all those that weigh heavy upon our hearts. Uh, like he did here, uh, we, he can unite all of our loved ones in the faith. We just need to keep on crying to the Lord. Perhaps, dear friends, there are, are some great changes happening in your life and that are beyond your control. Like Jacob, perhaps you're getting older or you're, you're feeling the effects of infirmities in, in old age or perhaps in particular affirmities or, or sickness or whatever it may be. And, and Jacob was going through that. And take heart, beloved, you will, like Jacob, soon see the greater Joseph, where you will be nourished and cared for in the bosom of God forever. We see this wonderful picture here, don't we? 
And perhaps some, some, <clears throat> some old sins and guilts keep on popping up in your mind. But times the devil whispers, doesn't he, in our minds, or those old sins, or those old, those old uh, things that have happened in our lives. And they keep on being brought to our remembrance again. And you feel like Joseph's brothers. You, you feel your failures in the past. You, you feel those times that you've let the Lord down. Well, friends, do take courage, dearly beloved, because Joseph said to his brethren in verse 24, See that you fall not out by the way. What a gracious thing for him to say. He says, see that you fall not out by the way. You see, he, he knew his brothers, didn't he? They were all converted now. They were saved. But he says these, these words, see that you fall not out by the way. In other words, he's saying, don't, don't argue. Don't, don't argue. Don't, don't fret how you're going to explain to, to Israel, to Jacob. Don't explain how you treated me to, to, my, to my father. Because that's naturally what they were going to be thinking about. How are we going to explain that Joseph is alive? How are we going to explain what we did to him? The wickedness that we did to him? And they could have been arguing about all the other food and everything else. But I think that would have been the biggest thing. They would have been fretting over their past failures and their sins. And Joseph, knowing their hearts, you see... Knowing them, being a, a, such a, a godly man, such a type of Christ, he says to them these words. He says, "He says, see that you see that you that you fall not out by the way." You, you see, we do all of us, even as believers, we can have those times where we fail the Lord. We've let the Lord down, and the devil comes and he whispers in our ears sometimes, and he, sometimes he brings people into our life and they strain at a gnat as it were, and they make large our sins. And, but you see, the greater Joseph comes to us again, and he speaks those words, see not that you fall out, by the way, you're forgiven. You've got the blood, I've forgiven you, you see. You don't have to worry uh, about uh, your past anymore. I have forgiven you, I have loved you, you're in union now, you see. There's this wonderful picture we see. Well, in verse 25 and 28, we see the good news being given to Jacob, that Joseph is yet alive. They come, they come back, they came back to the land of Canaan, and they told Jacob their father in verse 26 that Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jake's, Jake's heart fainted, for he believed them not. The brethren were told, tell, tell my father of, of what has happened in the land. He wants, Joseph wanted to tell, say, say to my father that the Lord, that God has made me Lord over all land. Tell him of my glory. And you see, Joseph, they tell him, Joseph is yet alive and he is governor over all the land of Egypt and Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. You see, Jacob had been lied to so much by his children in days gone past. They had been so deceitful to their, their father. But now, you see, friends, they're telling the truth, aren't they? They're telling the truth. They had changed. Joseph is alive. He, as, as it were, he's almost, to, 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 to Jacob, he's almost resurrected from the dead. 
again, it would seem, after 20, 30 odd, odd years, it would seem like he's resurrected from the dead. He saw the blood rags, as it were. He saw the evidence. And, and it would seem that God has raised him from the dead. And this news, friends, is too good to be true for, for Jacob. My, my Joseph? My, my Joseph is yet alive? He's, he's alive? He was dead? I saw those blood rags? You said that some evil beast had gotten him? And so you can imagine just, just the emotion that Jacob was feeling here. And surely this ought to remind us, brethren, of the resurrection. It ought to remind us of the resurrection. Jesus Christ, the greater Joseph, is yet alive. He has overcome everything for you. He has overcome through all his suffering, through all his pain, all that he underwent. He, he did that all for you. Look upon the wagons, dear friends, of God's grace and provision for your soul. And be revived like Jacob in your soul. You see, Joseph said specifically, bring my word. Bring my word to him. And that's what God does. The word of Christ speaks to our hearts. And then we look, as it were, upon the sacraments of Christ's blood. The, the wagons were full of, of, the, of the, the food and, and the wine. And we look upon them, their evidences, their tokens, isn't it? That Christ is alive and living. But the word says that to us. Look. And that revived. That revived him, didn't it? Friends, it's such a wonderful thing we see here. Look upon the wagons of God's grace and provision for your soul and be revived like Jacob in your soul. Look upon the provision of the wine and bread that the greater Joseph has provided for you. His blood and body was given for you. And it is true, friends, that Jesus Christ yet lives today, who was once dead. Let our hearts revive, friends. He lives to ever make intercession for us, doesn't he? And sometimes we can live and, and we're all guilty of this, as if we don't have a risen saviour. We can, we can live as, as if we don't have a risen saviour. We can just allow the things of this world, and I put my hands up in shame, that we can just live with our heads down and, and with this despondent spirit. When he lives, when we cry to a living God who hears our prayers, who ever lives to make intercession for us. And, and this is what happened to, to Jacob. He, he revived because he heard the word. Joseph spoke the word and he saw those wagons that were completely unusual. He saw them laden with food and wine and all these things. Of course, it's a picture of the word. It's a picture of the sacraments, isn't it? It's a picture of, of when Christ speaks to our hearts and he is, he is alive and we believe in it. And it revives our faith and our, and our spirit within us. The one who suffered for you is now risen and exalted and sat at the right hand of power. That's what happened to Joseph, wasn't it? Sat at the right hand of power. Prime Minister, as it were. And the Lord Jesus is. He is powerful. He is powerful to save you. He is powerful to keep you. He is powerful to bring you. You can lay all your troubles upon him for the future. Not one burden for the future. You don't have, you don't have to go it alone. 
That's what he, that's, I want my father to hear this. That everything is taken care of. I'm Lord of, I'm Lord now of, of, of Egypt. You don't have anything to worry about, my father, anymore. And the same is true of us, isn't it? Same is true of, of us. We don't have anything. If we're truly in Christ, we don't have to worry about the future. God is with us. Christ is risen. And we have those tokens before us, don't we? On the Lord's Day. We, we look upon them. We remember. We, we know he's there with us. He, he hears us. We, we feel him in our hearts. Friends, he, he loves you. He is making provision for you. It's making provision for us as a, as a fellowship. John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. He goes to prepare a place for us. We have mansions in heaven prepared for us, friends. We have fertile lands. We have pleasures in heaven, friends, forevermore. This, this, this land we're just passing through. It's not our, it's not our home here. We're on. We're moving on to pastures new. Dear beloved, there's, there's no need to fear the future when you have such a saviour. Such a one who freely forgives us all our sins, all our past failures. How, how we treated him. He forgiven. We've got his blood. We've got his body. We've got his promises, his word. We've got, we've got everything. He promises he will take us there. He will bring those wagons there. He will, like Elijah, take us up, as it were. This is such a wonderful promise, isn't it, to us? God is in control of our lives. God is sovereign over all the, the life's events. Fear not for your future. God, you're in God's hands. You're in the greater Joseph's hands. Remarkably, at the end of today's chapter in verse 28, the Holy Spirit that, of course, penned the scriptures the Holy Spirit calls Jacob Israel again. Do you notice that? Jacob, is, it all, Jacob has been called Jacob for a long time. But suddenly the Holy Spirit says Israel. Israel. Because his faith. His faith has started to revive in the previous chapters. But now it's fully revived. Now it's Israel again. Israel the one that has might with God and man. That's what Israel means. The one that has might with God and man. Not Jacob, Israel. Israel. And he says, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. It's enough. It's enough. Beloved of the Lord, sometimes like Jacob, we can live as if the greater as if our greater Joseph is not alive due to the many troubles in this life. That's what Jacob did for many years, didn't he? Yet like Jacob, like Israel, he sends us his word. He's, he assures us, friends, like Joseph did. He promises us, and fear not, dearly beloved, all the way my Saviour leads me. We're going to be singing that hymn at the end, all the way. My Saviour leads me. What have I to ask, this, ask beside? He leads us all the way. Not some of the way. All the way. 
God will revive our faith. God will increase our faith. God will provide. God is in control. God has given us his word. He has given us his sacraments. And we can say like Israel, it is enough. I know that my Redeemer liveth. I believe in his word. I look upon the sacraments of the wagons, as it were, and I'm revived. I'm revived. Though he may take me into the darkest of Egypt, as it were, and I see lots of changes in my life, there, there will I not only live, but I will thrive. And I will in due time be lifted up to ever be with the Lord in glory. Oh, friends, let us go to him now. Let us go to the greater Joseph with all our concerns. And I'm just going to finish with Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk